Thanks for tuning in to the Grace 412 podcast. It is Thursday afternoon, and we're just jumping on to do a recap from last night's lesson. We have continued in this series, Grave to Glory, where we're talking about uh, Jesus' interactions with people between his resurrection and his ascension. And so we're pulling out um, what we can learn contextually from that. And so last week, the students studied out uh, John chapter 20, where Jesus um, meets with Thomas for the first time and shows his scars to Thomas. And so we're actually going to pick up in John chapter 21 just after that in this story. So we're going to read all of John chapter 21. So we'll pick up in verse 1. It says this, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on the wise showed himself he. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood by the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw in for the multitude of the fish. Therefore that that disciple who Jesus loves saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat on him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the nets with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land where the fish of great fishes, 153, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples did ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. And so by this point, the disciples have seen Jesus a couple of times. They saw him once without Thomas. They saw him once with Thomas. And uh, they're honestly probably right now a little bit unsure of what to do. And so Peter just says, hey, I'm going fishing. Um, There's been a lot of uh, speculation and pastors have maybe read into this a little bit, saying that Peter's going back to his old occupation and ignoring his God-given calling. Um, Other people People have just said he's trying to relax. We really don't know the reason for it, and so we're not going to read into Scripture here. We just know that they went fishing. We know that they're out all night, and they didn't catch a thing. And so um, if you've ever been fishing before, you know that this is a tiring and a frustrating place to be. And somebody walks along the shore, and verse 4, it says they don't know that it's Jesus. And he says, hey, cast, cast the other way. You look at verse 4 and they say, they knew not that it was him. And so somebody they don't know comes to shore and tells them, hey, cast your net on the other side. Um, We all know what that's kind of like to have somebody that uh, maybe we don't know that well or maybe that doesn't know as much as us, right? These guys are professional fishermen and somebody's telling them how to do what they know what to do, right? Um, It can be frustrating, but a few important points for us to remember about Um, net fishing in those days. Um, One of them is that they would typically cast on uh, the left side of the boat so that when they were hauling in, they would be strong hand dominant. They were hauling in with their right hand. And that's why they would cast on the left side of the boat. Um, In net fishing, 
a few feet should not typically make that big of a difference if they've not caught anything um, because they're looking for schools of fish. And so the reality that they would be net fishing uh, on one side of the boat and there would be no fish and there would be schools of fish on the other is very slim. One of the other things to notice, uh, historically, um, people would have kind of spotters on the shore occasionally. And so uh, these spotters could see the coastline and they could see the, the way that the waves were coming in. They could see um, schools of fish that were moving based on the way the water was kind of pooling and uh, they could have an angle that the other people on the ship did not have. And so all these things are important to note uh, when you think about this story because there's an important uh, thing that, that we need to realize and that's that there's no room for pride when, they're, when we're following Jesus. Um, that kind of gets uh, unpacked thematically through the rest of this text, but it's important to note here because the uh, disciples, they have to kind of lay aside their pride a little bit. They didn't argue, they didn't push back. Um, they just thought, we're gonna give this a try. Um, they cast to the other side, the right side. And they knew, oh, well, now I'm going to be pulling back in with my left hand, right? They knew that it probably wouldn't make that big of a difference because there probably wasn't schools of fish on the other side. Um, but they didn't give pushback from what we see in Scripture. Instead, they, they tried something different. Uh, they let their pride go for a second and just tried it. Uh, sometimes following Jesus means we might have to listen to somebody uh, who does things a little bit differently than us. Maybe we might have to listen to somebody who sees things a little different than us. Sometimes it means trying something new. Sometimes it means doing things a different way. Sometimes it means doing something we don't really feel like doing. They had fished all night. They had caught nothing, but they said, you know what? I'm going to try something new. Sometimes we need to lay our pride aside and just try something new. Following Jesus means setting aside all my past successes and all my past failures and leaning into the next right decision. From what we can see in scripture, it doesn't look like they brought up their uh, past successes as uh, professional fishermen. Uh, they didn't really uh, just on their past failure that they had fished all night. Um, but instead they just said, we're going to do what this guy says. They cast their nets on the other side and they bring in this huge haul of fish. And immediately uh, it says that John realized this must be the Lord. And you've got to think their minds went back to Luke chapter five, because in Luke chapter five, if you remember, Jesus had started to gain a following. He had sort of introduced himself to the disciples, most of them, I believe, and uh, at least to some of them. And, and then he preaches on Peter's boat. And, and shortly after that, he, he had finished preaching. He says, hey, let's launch out to the deep and let's try to go fishing. And remember what Peter said then, hey, we've toiled, we've fished all night and we've caught nothing. But Jesus fills their nets then too, and then it, so much so that their boats began to sink in this case. And then if you go back to Luke chapter 5 and verse 10, it was then that Jesus said, hey, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then in verse 11, it says, they forsook all, and they followed him. It's, it's forsaking all, this, this idea that there's no room for pride. When we're following Jesus, it says, I'm putting all of my past successes, all of my past failures right there in the past, and I am pursuing Jesus. It's what Paul said, forgetting what's behind, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The disciples set a practical example of that by saying, hey, forget that we fished all night and caught nothing, our past failure. Forget that we used to be professional fishermen, our past successes. Instead, we're going to try something new. And for us, we can learn this lesson that we see through all of John chapter 21, that following Jesus 
means setting aside my pride, means setting aside my successes, setting aside my failures, and making the next right decision to follow him. I forsake all and follow him. And you see that as it lines up with the rest of John chapter 21. We look at verse 15 and it says, After they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, Do you love me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Then feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Then feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved when he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things, and thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Then feed my sheep. And so you see, they go on to have dinner, and Peter addresses, or Jesus addresses Peter, and he says, Hey, do you love me? Um, and again, a lot of speculation about this. Uh, when you go back to the, the lexicon or the Greek text, they're using two different forms of the word here. And uh, we know that Jesus is using the word agape. Peter, do you agape me? Jesus is asking Peter, do you have a, that transcendent love for me? Will you, would you die for me? And why that's interesting is because if you go back to their last interaction, the last time Peter uh, talked to Jesus, he said, I'm going to die for you. You go back to John chapter 13, you look at verse 36, 37, and 38, and it says, Simon Peter said unto him, 36, Lord, whither you go? Where are you going? Whither thou goest? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst follow me there, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee? Uh, I, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow until thou hast denied me thrice. Remember this, that, that before his death, Peter literally says, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. And Jesus says, Will you die for me? Will you lay down your life for my sake? He says, Before the rooster crows, you're going to actually deny me three times. He says, The cock shall not crow till you have denied me. It's already done now, and it's already been forgiven. And now they're uh, on this shore after Jesus has, has, has died, after he has taken the sins of the world upon himself, after he has taken Peter's sin of denying him upon himself, and then after he has risen, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me enough to die for me? And the word that it translates back that, that it says Peter uses is phileo here, which is uh, the love that one has for a friend. And it's important to, to note, uh, a lot of pastors will preach this and say, well, Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, well, Jesus, I kind of like you as a friend. I don't believe that that's what's happening here. I don't think that's fair to Peter. But I think what Peter is saying is, Jesus, you know that I love you. But what Jesus is saying is, Peter, are you willing to die for me? Will you die for me? And I think Peter's learned enough to say, I'm not going to say this again, right? Um, Jesus says, will you die for me? And Peter uh, says, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> you know that I love you. And what does Jesus say back to Peter each time Peter says, I love you? Feed my sheep. He says, serve me. Following Jesus sometimes means trading in grand acts of sacrifice for simple acts of service. 
trading in these grand acts of sacrifice. I'll die for you, Jesus. Instead, for simple acts of service, Jesus says, well, then feed my sheep. He says, don't just die for me, Peter. I want you to live for me. Um, we, we oftentimes, we dream these big grand acts of service, right? I'm going to raise my family this way. I'm going to lead a church. I'm going to pastor. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be uh, somebody that's martyred for the cause of Christ. And that would be an amazing thing. And, and I, I believe and I hope that these things are true for some of us. But it's easy sometimes for us to think about these grand, grand acts of sacrifice uh, because they're somewhere off in the future. They're somewhere out there. It doesn't require uh, as much out of us right now. But these simple acts of service are right in front of us, are right in front of us every day of our lives. Uh, a lot of us think, ooh, I'm going to pastor a church one day, but we don't uh, have a willingness to mop up the floors or clean up our own mess. We say, I'm going to raise a godly family one day, and like talking about the things of Scripture with our own siblings or with our closest friends. Um, and you can kind of see where Peter's head is at here in this same way, because Peter says, I'm going to die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, you're actually going to deny me three times before this day is over. And then later on the beach, he says, Peter, will you die for me? And Peter says, ah, I love you. I know that much is true. And Jesus says, then serve those I give to you. And so now you, you look at what, what Jesus says to Peter here. He does kind of give him a prophetic word in verse 18 as we go on. Jesus says, verily, verily, I do say unto thee, uh, when thou wast young, you girded thyself up, walkest whither uh, thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Verse 19, this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. So notice what Jesus does here. Peter says, I love you, Jesus. I'm not going to say I'm going to die for you again because I messed that one up last time. And Jesus says, just so you know, you are going to die for me. But before that, look at verse 18 again. He says, when you were young, you did whatever you wanted. You went where you wanted. You lived how you wanted. You fished when you wanted, right? Jesus says, when you were young, I found you right here on the, the Sea of Galilee fishing, just like I found you today. But he says, one day, you're going to literally do as I called you to do. You're going to literally take up your cross and you're going to die for me. And then again, Jesus says to him, now follow me. The same thing he said in Luke 5, the same thing he said in John 13. He says, now he says, follow me. You're going to take up your cross. You're going to die for me. And that's what I'm calling you to do right now is follow me. There's no room for apathy when following Jesus. Apathy is a a lack of compassion, a lack of motivation, a lack of a desire to do something. There's no room for that when following Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to love me enough to live for me and to die for me. And Peter, you can tell he kind of is like, I don't really want to say the wrong thing here. And Jesus says, just so you know, you are going to die for me. But right now, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to care for others that I bring across your path. Disciples making disciples. That's the that Jesus has created for his people. And so you look how Peter responds. Verse 12, then Peter turning around, see if the disciple who Jesus loved following, which uh, had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, is it he that betrayeth thee? Verse 21, Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? 
Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry until I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus never said unto him, He shall not die, but if I will tarry till he comes, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And so this is why uh, we believe that John uh, was the disciple that Jesus loved, and John did go on to be exiled on the island of he wrote Revelation. He saw heaven and wrote of his visions there, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that he was taken up to meet Jesus. Uh, but what's important here is you look at what Peter said in verse 21. He says, uh, Lord, what shall this man do? What's John going to do? What, what's going to happen with John, the one that you love? Verse 22, but it says, Jesus said, look, if I, if I, will, if I care that he tarries, if, he, if he's going to live until I come back, what is that to you? He says, follow thou me. Follow me, Peter. Worry about you. Following Jesus means collectively pursuing his call for our lives individually. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Collectively, individually? Are we individuals? Are we a unit? What's going on here? What does this mean? It means quit worrying about what God's called everyone else to do and start doing what he's called you to do. Start doing your part. All of us as individuals pursuing Jesus and unified under his goal, his call for our lives, disciples making more disciples. He says, I've got a job for John and I've got a job for you, Peter. And later I'm going to have a job for Paul. Nobody said, oh, well, the mystery. So he's the lucky one. Or, oh, John got to see heaven. So he's the lucky one. Or, oh, Peter got to be martyred. So he's the lucky one. No, each of them had a job and each of us has a job. He said, Jesus says, this is only going to work if you all work together. And if each of you does your part, he says, worrying about John and feed my sheep. This is not a call to ignore the needs of those around us, right? Uh, we have been called to bear one another's burdens. That's the law of Christ, right? Loving God and loving others requires us to be a part of community. This is instead a, a call to stop comparing ourselves to those around us. Jesus said in verse 22, he said, you follow me. And you think about when Paul says the same thing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 5, where he says, hey, the world's going to do what the world's going to do. But as for you, you be diligent, you be sober-minded, you speak the truth in all wisdom. You be self-controlled. As for you, Timothy, and Jesus says, as for you, Peter, follow me. He, he has this idea for, for Peter, this plan for Peter that Peter doesn't understand, and he doesn't want Peter to get distracted with everything else that's going on. If you look at their conversation, he goes back to when he very first ministered to Peter in John 5, when he says, hey, I'll make you a fisher of men. That was way back in Luke 5, and then you fast forward to John 13 again, and you remember that's where we see that, that Peter denied Jesus, right? And if you uh, look at that in context, it was verse 31 through 33, it talks about how they were at the Lord's Supper. In verse 31, it says, uh, after Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. Verse 32, if God's glorified in him, then God shall also glorify him. And then verse 33, he says, little children, yet a little while I'll be with you. You will seek 
with me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and then if you fast forward then to verse 36, that's in the context that Peter says unto him, Lord, whither thou goest, uh, Jesus answered him and said, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And then Peter said unto him, why can I not follow thee now, Lord? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And that's when Jesus in verse 38 says, hey, you're not going to lay down my life. You're going to deny me. But there's something that gets missed right there in context. Those two verses that are sandwiched in between 33 and 36. You look at what Jesus said in verse 34 of John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, that you also shall love one another. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, if you have love one to another, this is where Jesus gives this specific call to action. This is disciples making more disciples. This is us loving like Jesus loved. Followers of Jesus overwhelmingly passionate about loving him and loving others. He says, I'm about to leave you, verses 31 through 33, and God's going to be glorified. I'm going somewhere you can't go, but it's going to be better because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you're going to be a part of my mission, the body of Christ. And then verse 36 through 38, Peter says, hey, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, actually, you're not, but, but, but I want you to, to go back to what I said before. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. There's no room for selfishness when we're following Jesus. You think about this. Uh, at the Sea of Galilee, Luke chapter 5, Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I want you seeking out those who need to hear the gospel. And then in John chapter 13, Jesus is about to die, and he says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And now on the shore where it all began, Jesus goes back and says, remember when you said you were going to die for me? Remember that? What was it that I told you I wanted from you? I didn't want you to die for me. I wanted you to love one another as I've loved you. I wanted you to love those and serve those that have come across your path. He says, Peter, do you love me? then feed my sheep. Do what I told you to do in John 13, 34, and 35. That's the whole point of it all. He says, live for me by serving others. There's no room for pride. There's no room for apathy. There's no room for selfishness when following Jesus. Instead, our goal is that we would love one another and be unified with a collective goal of reaching others with the gospel. That is why we were saved. That is what we exist for, to make much of Jesus. And so the question this week is, do you love Jesus or do you just like him? Um, I think the answer will truly be found in the way that we treat others. And so this week and every week moving forward, let's make it a to do what Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, in John chapter 13, in John chapter 21, and so many other places in scripture. And let's love him and love those that he brings across our paths for his glory. 